Crispy cream motherfuckers. everybody to fear and loathing in cinema podcast brand new episode this week and we are going to punish each and every one of you i'm brian kluger and i'm joined by the two hosts with the most the two people who i like to go through the city with and take out all the bad guys even if they're called jigsaw Dan Moran and Preston Barta, and we are talking today about that movie that was released in 2008, Christmas Time 2008. It was one of the first Marvel movies ever made. Punisher Warzone, starring Ray Stevenson, Dominique West, Julie Benz, Colin Salmon, Doug Hutchinson, and Wayne Knight. Oh my goodness, and it was directed by a girl named Lexi Alexander, who we'll get into. But first, I want to say, what's up to Preston and Dan? Preston, how you doing? Doing pretty good, you Krispy Kreme motherfucker. (laughs) This is one of the best lines in cinema right there. We'll get to that. And Dan, how about you? How you doing in that glorious exterior shot of the backyard? I am doing fantastic, and there's no way I am topping Preston's line, so I'm just going to say, let's get to it. <laughs> 2008, it was the year of Krispy Kreme. <laughs> yeah. So you freezing your balls off out there? Yeah. <laughs> All right, so everybody remembers Thomas Jane, John Travolta, Kevin Nash, WWE superstar, and Punisher. You know, everybody was excited about it, Thomas Jane. And then at some point, you know, Marvel Comics got their own studio. They didn't have to pair with Sony. They didn't have to pair with Lionsgate. They became Marvel Studios, the MCU, with Iron Man. But kind of the same time as Iron Man came out, they did a sequel to Punisher Warzone. And through a couple years of going through turmoil on the back end... Uh, Thomas Jane dropped out, the directors dropped out, and it went to Lexi Alexander, who is by trade a martial artist um, and a stunt woman. And she actually directed the movie that I actually like, Green Street Green Hooligans. Street Hooligans. Yeah, with Great. Elijah Wood and Charlie Hunnam. Uh, 
kind of like about um in a Ted Lasso kind of way about a soccer <laughs> team group of fans who just like to kick the shit out of anybody who talks shit about the uh, opposing soccer team. So she did that and then Punisher Warzone came along and you know, when we're going to get into this, but the movie was a box office flop, like it made $10 million worldwide, nothing at all. And it was ripped apart by most people. Uh, and we're here today to tell you maybe why and why everybody is wrong about it, because this wrong. movie fucking slaps in so many ways. So first off, like we start every episode, um, we'll start with Dan. Dan, 2008, Christmas time. How old were you? Where were you? Did you see this in the theater? What was the deal? I was 21 or 22 working at the movie theater, and I absolutely saw this movie. I probably saw it a few times in the theater um, because, you know, as you said, Christmas time is when the big movie come out, and this one was sequestered off to one of our smaller theaters and was rarely attended. So, um it was easy to pop for a break or whatnot when you want to see action set pieces. But that's where I was at with this. And I remember when this was coming out, I was really excited. The trailer is awesome. Um, it has a great pulp crime noir feel to the entire thing. Um, I think this was on, this was definitely post Sin City, but it felt like um, from the trailer or whatnot that it was going to be a more shoot 'em up style Sin City thing, less uh, cerebral and just brutal. And it delivered on exactly what was promised and what wasn't really delivered in the first one with Thomas Jane, a movie that I like, but I think Punisher Warzone does a lot more punishing, which is what I'm honestly looking for in my Punisher movies. <laughs> all right, all right. I hear you. I hear you. Uh Preston, 2008, same question, same answer. I was not 21. I was 18 and I was not seeing this movie. I watched this movie for the first time this morning at 33 years old. Really? So this is a first timer for you? Oh my god! Preston always has the best stories or circumstances. So play it on us. <laughs> it's. I mean, I, I'm just happy that you watch this for the first time because I remember watching this uh, when it came out in theaters uh, because I was a big fan of Punisher. You know, this was at the time that I owned a comic book store, and you know, we're getting the start of. Iron Man, the MCU was a big thing. And then Punisher mm -hmm. Warzone came out. And I remember Thomas Jane. I remember Tron Travolta. I was like, okay, we're doing this. You know, I was selling those Punisher Max series. I was selling those Punisher Warzone comic books. I was reading them. So to have Ray Stevenson and Dominique West, who I love um, in The Wire and all that good stuff, uh, I was kind of on board. And then while watching it, I'm thinking... Holy shit, especially in like the first scene when it's entirely bloody and gross. I was like, I'm in for this. And this is Marvel being Marvel R-rated. And from then on, when I started to read a lot of the reviews that were coming out about it, my mind was like, did these people, did these, these critics, did these people forget why they loved 80s action movies? Did these people forget why they loved having fun? What were they thinking? And so they were probably uh, riding on the high of the Dark Knight and Iron Man. Right. You so you're so correct. We're, we're gonna get into that. Um, so let's first talk about um let's talk about Lexi Alexander, the director. As we've seen Green Street Hooligans, 
even though it doesn't have like the best rating and the best reviews, that movie's still really good and it has a lot of heart. Um, but coming aboard this big feature film, which was her first big feature film, you can tell that Lexi Alexander has such a great artistic eye and mm-hmm. a way to film action and violence. And she does not shy away from the, not necessarily the absurd, but the grossness and grotesque version of somebody of a Marvel character. That's all about vengeance um, in a brutal it's, way. It's yeah. clear that she was a big fan of Batman forever and the Friday, the 13th series. Yeah, no, for sure. Cause like Batman forever. In addition to the first Batman 1989 with Michael Keaton, Batman forever took on a very different visual style. And I think this movie Punisher Warzone does the same thing. Like it takes on a completely filtered style of colors and uh, dark rooms. It almost feels because it's like Lionsgate and you're thinking like, this feels maybe a little bit like saw here and there. Yeah. <laughs> like with some of like the dank rooms and stuff like that, the gritty feel, but immediately I was drawn to this movie because of its violence. Cause I like violence in films for the most part and having it in an MCU movie, they've never done anything like this since have they mm, Deadpool. That's about it. But Deadpool? Not, quite, not quite like this. Well, Deadpool has almost a family friendly quality to it in its comedy and Ryan Reynolds. This does not so kind of does. I mean, it's got some lines in it. And it's it, got so, like it's it's very bare bones, like basically written lines, but that's kind of part of the fun. Okay, so I'm gonna ask Dan this first. Um, Dan, Punisher Warzone, why do you think people back in 2008 and through the years hated this movie? I think people weren't ready for it yet. Can you go back inside and? Stuff like that, or turn off your video, or something like that. It was kind of choppy. I'm taking my family out. Sweet, Preston. Same question. Like, obviously, when we look at Marvel movies today, there's a formula. There's a there's a way of how they're told and how great they are. But we don't see movies like this, and it seemed like the director here. And the script, Lexi Alexander and all the script writers, they really wanted to pay homage to um, that old 70s, 80s, gritty action, violent film. And it did not hit chords with people. Like, do you think like there were like three elements of the film or more or one that why people just like took to this like it was garbage? My my guess is just the, the overall violence of it. I don't think people, um, because like Dan said, and like we've already said that it, we, 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 I guess most people just weren't prepared for it at the time. Uh, this over the top kind of violent movie, because it does have like that 80s action vibe, like you said, Brian. Um, but I don't know, maybe throughout the, years between like first blood and and in in this we didn't see too many films like this at all um marvel or comic book aside just movies like this and so that that's that's my guess it's just that it the movie like uh dan said 
it just felt like kind of like it was dumped. Um, January might have been a more appropriate uh, ground for it. At least nowadays, if a movie like this were to release, you would kind of see it pop up around that area. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that that's my only thought. Um, I I don't remember. I remember seeing the trailer and things like that, but I, I just didn't. I don't remember like what the discussions were like at the time and how people were feeling Well, I'm coming, I'm uh, going coming into to you it. like your first time watching it this morning. And Yeah. are you going into this like thinking Thomas Jane Punisher? Are you going into this? Did you go into this thinking like Guardians of the Galaxy, Iron Man, Hulk, you know, Captain America? Or did you think this was going to be something totally different? Because I'd imagine in those first, at least first 15 minutes when you see the Punisher take out a room of a room full of dinner patrons at a table. And then when you see how Dominique West gets his scars, uh, what did you think? Like, what, what, what are you thinking here? I thought it was a very bold way to open the film and it just kind of was like, oh shit, okay, this is what we're in for. Uh, just him shooting, hanging from a chandelier and like him, because I remember from the trailer, him stepping on like this family table where all these mobsters are and he has the red flare. And I remember that from the trailer. And then as I'm watching it, I'm like, this is really cool to see him decapitating people, shooting people as he's spinning where your aim is supposed to be total shit. And he's able to kill all these people and they shoot like stormtroopers when this guy is just in one singular spot. So that's I mean, when you look at that, you're like, uh, it's ridiculous, but it's so much fun. Like even there's so much time that any of those people at the table could have pulled out their guns and shot them. It's like they were waiting their turn to die. And uh, that's just part of it. And so I I just I knew like, OK, where this is extremely violent. This is a lot of fun. I'm just going to take it for what it is. And then when we get further down the road with this movie and we see Dominic West with his Frankenstein face uh, with Percy from the green mile, which uh, we'll probably talk more about that later. Yum, um, yum, yum. Standing in front of a flag, like they're patent uh, delivering a speech while the patriotic music's playing in the background. Like, dude, this is a good time. So, it, it is. Yeah. It is a great time. And I mean, it almost felt like kick ass in that moment, you know, like mm. the movie kick ass. Yeah like extremely violent, fun stuff in a Punisher movie. And like, this does not act as a sequel to that first Thomas Jane Punisher movie. This is kind of a reboot of yeah. the franchise. And you almost hope that like they went more with it. But I mean, I guess from a business standpoint, you can't do that unless like maybe today it would work, you know, streaming wise, because you can get away with a lot of stuff. But I'm curious on why, because so with interviews with the director here with Lexi, um, she fully supports this movie. She's this is the movie she wants to make. She she is on board. Um, but what she also says is that like they um, downgraded the budget several times during production. They pushed it from, you know, a late summer release to Christmas. And what, I mean, yes, some people want to see this movie maybe during the Christmas holidays, but most people don't. This is a summer or this is like an October type of movie. And I'm curious on why all of these 
things is it seemed like Lionsgate and Marvel were at odds trying to tell everybody what to do. And Lionsgate always won. But what Lexi has said that Marvel had the vision with her, but they let Lionsgate call the shots. And maybe that's why people, because there are things in the movie that, you know, I could see why people get upset, but the good eight, the good outweighs the bad here um, because the performances are actually pretty great um, for mm-hmm. a comic book movie. Like Dominique West goes all the way, yep. <laughs> all the way. And he's kind kind of looks like, Oh God, what's his name? Gary Oldman from uh, <laughs> the Hannibal. Silence of the lambs hand from Hannibal, you know, like in, in a Marvel movie, I don't think we've ever seen quite a vicious um origin story of a villain of some guy getting tossed into a recycled machine of glass and getting cut up like that was brutal like dan describe that for me well i mean he was just part can and when you have a body and you're not made of aluminum that's just what happens it's science i do think it's funny though that this was Lionsgate, and as you said from earlier like with saw that we have a guy who goes through essentially a saw trap and becomes the villain from Marvel known as Jigsaw. Um, I was laughing. I was laughing pretty hard at that entire thing. But yeah, that's that's what you're getting at. It was brutal. Like, I did not enjoy watching it. But at the same time, I did. That makes <laughs> yeah. no sense. But I was like, this is disgusting and awful, but also kind of cool and something you're never going to see in a Marvel movie ever again. Ever. Right, I think right. It, I think what makes you kind of excited about that admit it being disgusting is that his name is billy the butte and you just see him looking in the mirror like he knows he's a handsome dude and then you know it's about to be the whole uh, the another way around uh and he's gonna be real ugly he's gonna be they they live real (laughs) real fucking ugly and uh it's it's something else. And so, you know, it this movie almost has kind of a Boondock Saints take on it where you have or like Dan said, John Wick quality to it where you have a guy who's kind of almost vigilante and in that Boondock Saints type of way or John Wick type of way, he wants to take out everybody that's bad in mafia. Like he's been taking out mafia because the Punisher's origin story is that bad men killed his family and his kids and he's out for vengeance he wants to kill people unlike batman who wants to serve justice um punisher is not that way he he wants to kill everybody so it's that's kind of the story he's going after this italian mafia and at the beginning of the story end of the movie you really have this godfather moment that's done like to almost kind of high cheese levels where you have a Marlon Brando character, you know, shitting in a bag. <laughs> it works. It does work. It does work. It. I mean, that that's setting it up. And, you know, that's how you get the main villain here and out of Dominique West and everything is done from there. And you get to see like how some of the cops in the city are for the Punisher and how some are not. And then you add in, you know, an early 2000 gimmicks, like with parkour people, you know, like one, arguably one of the coolest scenes in the movie of Punisher taking out people in slow motion and parkour. It's just amazing. That's the Batman forever vibe 
that I was getting, like when they're doing like the, the, the races and, uh, maybe it's Batman Robin, but like, they have like those goons that are like going, like, they're just having the most fun. Like they can just, uh, just beam with excitement of climbing up a fire escape. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's it's crazy and it's funny to watch because you we all remember when parkour became a thing like even James Bond had a parkour sequence you know uh, yeah. yeah and you're thinking like okay this is punisher cool but there's something about it preston like talk with me on how well lexi mixed that bag of ingredients of viciousness and style like in the movie because it's your first time watching because we've we've all seen john wick we've all seen you know violent movies but how does this one differ and how, why is this one stand up stand out uh it's the what i hinted at earlier with the friday the 13th aspect so when when frank castle punches somebody it doesn't just punch somebody it goes through them and crushes their skulls and the just just the little bits of humor like especially when it comes to like the shootout and you have like one overweight man in the elevator or whatever he's doing and then they open the door and he's just like oh shit um and then gets his head completely blown off so just that that stylized violence in it it makes it such a treat like where you can be like oh this isn't so brutal to the point where it feels authentic like whenever somebody gets shot it goes like you can hear all the oozing sounds and uh blood splattering on the wall and that sort of thing that makes it kind of cartoonish in the in the way that like uh, jason lives is whenever he's like killing people in the forest um so and the camera work with uh how crisp everything looks like even like the special effects that are going on here like it looks really good um it does have like that kind of like mid-2000s kind of vibe to it where it's very stylized with certain colors there's a lot of uh, yellow hues and things like that but um it's a it's a very pretty looking movie despite it looking being disgusting simultaneously and so it, it's just like dan said like you want to look away but you're also like this is awesome <laughs> do you agree dan yeah, I mean that's that's the essence of the movie. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Preston summed it up so perfectly. It's it's that's what all the blood splatter is. That's what all the the gore. That's what everything about it is. It's it's you can't look away. All right. So what what really sells the tone for me was the moment where, where Frank Castle and the after the the beginning sequence and his nose is broken and he sticks the pencil up there and he just fixes it himself like i was like <laughs> this is good right right no that scene is so good um so now you have to talk we have to talk about um uh what's his name um ray stevenson rest in peace he will yes. be missed. But you have Thomas Jane. You have maybe Frank Grillo. You have um, Dolph you Lundgren. Have Dolph Lundgren. You have John Bernthal. And then you have Ray Stevenson right here. Ray Stevenson is Frank Castle, man. Like, 
Yeah. I it's hard to I mean I love Thomas Jane so much like that dude's a great actor I love John Bernthal so much Dolph Lundgren that was a very different Punisher movie you know yeah. um but this, Frank, but he actually punishes and that's what makes him great yeah that's what Ray Stevenson does like I think with the Thomas Jane one there was maybe yeah. a little more heart and family yeah. friendliness to it but man ray stevens he had all the gadgetry like he had like the decked out mad max car where he can like turn down the roof and bullets i feel like ray stevenson's frank castle like he's decked out with the gear the kind of gear that you would if john wick was more based in our reality like he'd be like he's such a bulky he was such a bulky dude ray stevenson and so he's wearing like the vest and everything and he has the uh skull on him uh and i don't i don't believe dolph lundgren had it on his on his person so uh i just you take one look at him you can look at a still and you're like that guy's been through some stuff he's like so gnarly looking um that i just 100 believe him if i put everybody that's played the punisher in a lineup i would say ray stevenson that guy can kill some people and then probably John Bernthal, like, cause he still has, he's like a mix between Thomas Jane and Ray Stevenson where like, he's got that edge to him, but he also has a bit of heart to him as well. And Thomas Jane, like, I feel like he was really good. He was good in the part, but um, just by comparison, I just don't think I, I would, believe that thomas jane's frank castle until i saw his short dirty laundry i think that's what it's called uh if you haven't seen that short look it up that is yeah it's it's like that i wish that's what um his punisher movie looked like it's like he got a do-over to tell people like if i had complete reign to just kind of do this and then i didn't have a studio uh, holding me back from being able to make this the Punisher that uh, people wanted or um, most people want to see today uh, after watching the series, uh, he he could have done it. So, but yeah, I think Ray Stevenson is very much Frank Castle and I wish we could have gotten more out of him before he passed on. Right, like Ray Steven, that just the way he walked onto the scene walked into the scene how he delivered his lines like it was just so good and of the part and from the comic book and he committed fully like i think everybody fully committed in this movie but yeah. uh yeah i i agree ray stevenson he, he was, still had the heart to him as well like there's some decent sequences when he's like talking to uh uh julie ben speaking of uh boondock saints she's in boondock saints too she she has like some i think it i think it's her that says the line like uh who who punishes you and and then you can frank you can feel that ray stevenson's like taking in the weight of that line and uh even though we didn't get the opening sequence like the 2004 punisher with thomas jane where th their entire family's wiped out at like their va vacation home and you that because you go through that experience, that's what sells the emotion of the rest of the film. But in this, you just get a couple of flashback sequences of his family uh, dead in a in, in a park, and 
there's there's not we there's not a fully fleshed out scene like there is with that 2004 film but yet i feel like he like i feel that emotional weight with him uh because of this connection that he has with the young girl grace which is the daughter of uh of uh julie benz's character angela so he in the beginning when there's a job or uh, he's going in there to punish people and kill people he somebody somebody accidentally dies like who is a decent person and so he's feeling the guilt of that and kind of taking it back to the the loss of his family because he's thinking of it kind of like in a the batman kind of way like he's thinking about the kid who lost his family in that film and he's relating and so i think he's relating to this family and this kid in particular and seeing his daughter and her and so that whole uh emotional uh narrative that's going on there is pretty well done and i think that ray stevenson can play the edge but he can also be like the soft side too yeah i agree i agree um let's talk about looney ben jim played by doug hutchinson who everybody remembers as the um yeah percy whitmore from the green mile the bad bad dude from the green mile one of the best villains in Green Mile. I mean, when you first see this guy, he's strapped to a bed in a hospital, like a Looney Ben hospital. <laughs> and like it's his continuation of his character. It is. And then like his brother, Dominique West, who's now Jigsaw, frees him. And what does he do? He the orderly just like eats him. Like literally eats him. Yeah. Uh I he mean this kidneys. Yeah. It, this movie doesn't uh, I mean Think about that. And you see it happen. And this is Marvel at the time in 2008. Like, Dan, Louis Ben Jim, give it to me. Just a disgusting person. Perfectly cast. Hated everything about him. Um, hate looking at him. Hated him in A Time to Kill. Hated him in this. Uh, what else is he in? He's a real piece of shit. <laughs> just an actor that unfortunately he just looks like a terrible human being like if i saw him and like there's every other actor i look at and i'm like wow they played a really good role i believe that this guy is a piece of crap and he's got yeah yeah it's like he's got i believe that guy's got some skeletons in his closet he, he also did the um he also uh shoot he did something with x-files where he would like crawl through small spaces he did like one or two episodes where he was like early on like one of Mulder's like Eugene Victor Tombs. Yes. And so he's just been since the mid 90s. Anytime I look at him like this dude is going to come inside my house in some capacity and he's going he's going to murder, eat, rape, do something terrible to me and my family. And and he, he keeps the thing going. And I forgot until this movie and I was doing like uh, the little, you know, IMDb thing. While I was watching that, he was the guy who married that crazy uh, reality show star. If you remember way back when, her name was like Courtney or something. And she got really giant fake boobs. And he was like dating her when she was like 15. Oh, yeah. So the dude's just, everything about him is bad. And I enjoyed every bad thing that happened to him in this movie. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Um, he was in Con Air. He was in Con Air. He was one of the guards, right? Yeah. 
Oh. Yeah, no, yeah, he he was definitely in Con Air. We, we, I don't think, we, did we mention him? I don't, I don't um, think we mentioned him at all. I don't think we mentioned him, but yeah. I think he, the only movie I remember him being a decent guy in is I Am Sam. He was like oh, friends. Yeah, that's right. He was, he was friends with uh, uh, Sean Penn. Like I said, problematic for a whole host of other reasons. But yeah, yeah, yeah. His, one, he, but yeah. yeah he, Troubled career. <laughs> the guy has got to go, and I wish he. Yeah, I'm glad how his uh, career ended up in Punisher Warzone, at least. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's crazy. So let's also. But, talk- you, but you'd be happy to know that his last movie that he's in is Hope for the Holidays. Yeah, it's what is uh, he? Krampus. Let's see. One man's love for his dying mother leads him to commit the biggest mistake of his life. Now, with the help of his newfound faith in a Christmas miracle, he seeks redemption on Christmas Day. Hope for the holidays. There you go. He's Sergeant Babbitt. The the scariest Christmas movie ever. Right. Um, So Dominique West, otherwise known as Officer McNutty uh, Mm. from The Wire or from 300. Um how do you Dominique West is amazing uh and everything he does and here you know you got to think like when an actor is on screen maybe some actors do not want all the makeup they want to be recognized like I don't see the rock ever putting makeup on because he wants to be recognized as him but Dominique West is unrecognizable here. Like he is in full prosthetics and grossness and he lives up to it. Right. Like what, what do you think about Dominic West? I love him in this. He's so great. He's perfect. There's my, there's my two cents. Preston, lay it on. You just, you just watched it. Preston. It's perfect. It's perfect. You let us know, Preston. What did you think about it? Yeah, he's he's good at uh, like at the beginning, like I already mentioned with him, like looking in the mirror. But like, I think what really sets up his character is, is like the first line that he says. I think he uh, he's fixing his hair in the mirror and then his date is like trying to fix it for him. He's like grabs her by the throat and says, like, do I fix your motherfucking makeup? And I was like, Jesus Christ. Right. <laughs> so and, and then she's still like kind of holding on to his arm. And I was like, yeah, people uh, like he, he's got this uh, that that's like all a lot of mob movies, like the, the kid, the son wants to be taken seriously and wants to strike fear into the whole unit. And um and so the fact that the Punisher comes in and wipes out the the competition, his the high up, uh, he's like, oh well, that t- t- he did. Punisher did me a favor. All I want to do is talk like, uh, talk like him because these accents are so great. It's like watching the Batman animated series with all the I, mobsters. I th- I honestly think he did the bad accent on purpose because I've oh, seen yeah. him in so many other movies and TV shows, and he's very British. And he has, he's very good with his accent work. I I can think of like two or three movies where he has a different type of American accent or different even type of English accent. This was on, like, he was purposely hamming this up. And as as Brian said, there's an element that that doesn't exist in comic book movies, in in a lot of movies in in today's world where you have an actor who's that talented, who's like, you know what? I'm going to make myself unrecognizable and I'm going to have a complete ball by just fucking going for it. And Dominic yeah. West just straight up is like balls to the wall in this entire movie, which, which is something like we talked about earlier with the violence. We will never see that 
in another movie ever again. I guarantee you, and this is just to throw this out here, when they make Fantastic Four, we are going to see Doctor Doom's face 10,000 times in a movie because they're going to cast an actor who's going to be like, me behind a metal mask? Like, nobody has. It reminded me of um, Edward Norton will do it. Like, Edward mm. Norton in Kingdom uh, of Heaven. Kingdom of Heaven. Master, like, he's just like, like Edward Norton has the biggest ego in the world, but he's like, you know what? I'm a good enough actor to get this across. And I understand these are different roles, but finding an actor that's willing to just be like, I'm a good looking guy, but I'm just going to destroy my face and be a psychopath for an entire movie where no one will ever recognize me until they look at the IMDb sheet is just something that doesn't happen anymore. And I, and I appreciate the hell out of that. I do too. There was enough time with him to, to recognize why he's Billy the Butte. And then, yeah, for most of them, you know, it's weird. Like this movie, it seems more like, like hit that character's movie. Like, I feel like Ray Stevenson kind of gets sidelined for a good chunk of the movie where it's mostly just about Jigsaw and Billy the Butte, it, at least until the very end. But uh, yeah, you, you're onto something, Dan. Like, it's interesting with the discussions that are probably being had on Twitter when it comes to actors like, uh, you know, Robert Downey Jr. playing Iron Man, even though he's Iron Man, like most of the time, like you can still see his face that like he wants to be the face of that character. Um, and so there's not a whole not by comparison, probably more scenes with his face than there are uh, with him mm -hmm. having the, the, the helmet on. But the other it's the other way around with mandalorian and then you know pedro pascal says like i don't even really have to do the part that much anymore i just like kind of do the voice and so it's uh an interesting discussion being had about like the balance of like what's too much face what's too much helmet and absolutely well, like i mean i mean that's the darth vader thing you know you had david yeah. prowse play and then you have james earl jones do the voice and maybe pedro pascal like i would imagine a lot of um Mandalorian physically is demanding, whereas maybe Pedro can go in and read lines, kind of like Rocket and Bradley Cooper almost. But I would like to see Bradley Cooper dressed as a raccoon trying to do those scenes. Though. Yeah. <laughs> James Gunn got his brother Sean Gunn to do that. <laughs> well, no, but that's I agree with you, Preston, with what you're saying, because I mean, even the most recent example of um Ant-Man or even the most recent Black Panther, every character like Ant-Man took off his mask inside of the quantum realm to read, a, to say a line every single time he said a line. Like it was yeah. like, okay, Cassie, we got to go here. All right, let's go. <laughs> it comes yeah. back over his face. And it just, it, there was no, the, the magic of um, these actors. And I get it. It's all ego. It's all, it's all what? And I think Pedro Pascal is a different thing. Cause I think star Wars with masks has kind of the tradition, like with Darth Vader and also Pedro Pascal has so much going for him that he kind of, in that most recent thing, if you saw, just kind of laughs it off. He's like, I don't even have to do it anymore. Like he was almost yeah. like, ha ha ha, um, is, is, is a really fascinating thing. But I'm just, I'm just thinking as Marvel and these superhero movies really need a jolt of energy and need something to like restart what they're going to do in general. The fact that we know we are going to see every villain's face mask or not as much yeah. as possible just doesn't I feel like, like spider-man's the one exception because they did find a way to make him emote enough with his mask on eyes yeah 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 I, with I, the I, eyes going like that yeah that worked i agree with that 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 worked that worked a lot of yeah. a lot of eyes and uh 
across the Spider-Verse. A lot of eyes. A lot of eyes, a lot of eyes. But all that to say, uh, Dominic West still gives a fun, ridiculous performance and just seeing like that little bit of skin over his eye as he's talking to people is uh, very nasty to look at, but also uh, admittedly funny. It is funny. Mm-hmm. It is it is good. And it brings it back to like maybe he did that dialect, hammed it up, you know, because that's 80s action movies. You know, we got yeah. the, you know, over the top stuff back then. And I have to say, um, Dominique West, um, the Jigsaw's death scene at the end with the fire. I love how they added the fire in his eyeball. Like that oh, yeah. was yeah. unbelievably wow. good. You, you know what? You know what his performance reminds me of? Uh, we we brought it up last time. I think Brian, you brought up Morbin time. Morbius. It's Mor- Matt, yes, Matt, it's Matt Smith as Milo. Like he he made that movie uh, great to me. Uh, yes morbius like matt smith knew what kind of movie he was in and he was dancing and uh d- just putting some extra stank on his lines uh yeah he he knew what he was in and everybody else was playing it serious and maybe that's yeah i don't know why they did that do you think that it's um the fact that these are i mean you just named matt smith and dominic west like these real uptight shakespearean british actors yeah when they when they get the chance to just say screw it and cut loose and know exactly what they're in that they're just like oh i'm here to have fun because i know people already take me seriously whereas like these american actors don't have that like i mean i don't think you're gonna see timothy chalamet showing up with like shaving his he's he's American yeah like shaving his head and making his face unrecognizable and screaming at women and that sort of stuff and then just being like anyway I'm being cast in the next rom-com coming out like here comes little women too it's just I don't see American actors yeah I don't see the actors having the balls uh to do that lately but yeah you naming those two just made me think about yeah a lot of British guys just go for it yeah, they're they're, okay. they're they're totally cool with poking fun at themselves or going to expanding their range. Um, like I don't know, I'm also thinking of like Philip Seymour Hoffman, where he just had so many movies that are so serious and Oscar based, and like Leonardo DiCaprio, and very often, very seldomly did they do roles like Along Came Polly or Twister, where it's right. just like was a more ridiculous side to them, where you're like, oh, I want more of that. Like I want more Leo and Wolf of Wall Street. Like he's so yeah. good at comedy. Like just just really cut loose. I think I think Brad Pitt's starting to go down that route. Yeah, yeah. I feel like he's, he's, got, right he's the, got his Oscar now, so he's. he's I feel like he's right okay. on the precipice of just showing up in something and just being like a complete psycho goofball and having a complete class. <laughs> Dude, I'm excited. He's great in Lost City. Yeah, yes, he is. That's what he's I mean. so good. That's and true. Bullet Train. I mean, he's yeah. great. Yeah, they're having a ball, and you know, with somebody like Leo, you Leo's one of the top. Is, the top two actors that everybody wants in their movie. And, and, you know, he works with Tarantino. He works with Scorsese. Those are kind of the people he works with every once in a while. He'll go to somebody else, but like a very big name director. And it seems like he's really on this path to play 
real people. Like that's what he likes to do. But you almost also want to see Leo DiCaprio in a Judd Apatow movie have a good time. You want to see him yeah. in a Wayans Brothers movie cutting up. You want him to like you want, like you said, the the Wolf of Wall Street version of him because he's so good at it. And when you see Dominique West play something like in 300 or play somebody like in the wire, but then come to this, it's just like, man, that's fucking range. That's character acting like that right. is what it's all about. That's why I think we love him so much. And, you know, when people dish out the trash talk on this movie, I'm really trying to figure out why, like, because is it because it's not Iron Man? Like it's not that, wheelhouse it's not that realm it's not that formula is it just something so different because i guarantee you all these people that hated this movie love the 80s action movies like they will talk so highly about predator and commando and you know i come in peace and stuff like that like this this is like those movies if this movie would have came out in january before those movies came out before people's appetites changed I think it would have been a little more like better received, I would say. 100%. I 100% agree with that. It, it it was poisoned by yeah, it was poisoned by the experience of all the great superhero movies of 2008 that just changed everything. Correct. It did. So, uh, we got Iron Man and like that did change things. Like, you know, yeah, we got some DC stuff like the Dark Knight trilogy, but Iron Man took it to be for everyone, whereas Dark Knight really kept things serious. Um, you know, pun intended there, but yeah. Iron Man, but, like, but, like, this is great. Yeah, but nowadays, when we've had so many movies that just try to copy the Dark Knight or, or Iron Man, Marvel's having, or any of these comic book stories, are having to change things up, experiment with different tones. That's why you get your James Gunn kind of movie. You get your very serious brooding Batman movies and things like that. And so that's the, that's what's always going to keep it fresh. So if they had movies like this every now sprinkled in there, where maybe if they would have taken the comedy up a little bit more in this one, they just didn't depend so much on, um, Dominic West's character kind of being like the goofy oddball in the bunch. And you just had like character, like the mob characters trying to do something like Tarantino, like where they're just like bitching about like everyday shit. That's just (laughs) annoying them. Like that would have elevated it a little bit more and probably uh, make it stand out. Uh, But, but yeah, like if this movie was coming out today, I think people would be more accepting of it too, because it would make its, but it would make its budget back. Yeah. At least hundred percent. It would make its budget back because I think 15 years out, we have had 15 years of, I, I say this, I love the movies. I think we all know that this sanitized superhero movies for lack yeah. of a better word. Like there's no grit to them. There's nothing dirty. Even Deadpool, even Deadpool one and Deadpool two, he just says the F word and shoots a gun. Other than that, it's still a sanitized, straightforward story. And I love those movies, mm-hmm. but, but I think that we've now reached the peak of where that is. And you can see it by the box office returns that people want something a little bit different. Mm-hmm. We want a little bit of a change. Even I saw the Flash trailer yesterday. 
the most recent one. And I think the flash looks good, but at the same time, I'm like, okay, we're now we're in time travel. So it's been four years of time travel across all superhero movies. And I'm kind of like, let's get, let's get onto something else to the point where I think we need that visceral gritty, put it off in its own universe. Like the Batman, the Batman was successful because it was its own thing. And that was PG 13, but it was dark. It was gritty. It was unforgiving and it respected his audience to not be happy with the outcome or decisions that were made or how it all resolved instead of it being like, well, here we go. And, and we're all happy here. And I think that that's the same thing with Punisher Warzone to the point where I'm, I'm excited for Deadpool three, but I think that Marvel just thinks that throwing a couple F bombs in a movie is going to make it gritty and more down to earth. And that's just not how it works. Just, just siphon a character off. Really let John Bernthal go crazy. Give him give him a 90-minute movie where he just literally murders a cartel that does something. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't care. And if you have yeah. to make it related to Marvel, then have, uh, what's her name? Julia Louise Drive to show up and be like, hey, none of the good guys can do this because we need to sell lunchboxes. Ha, ha, ha. And then send him in with an AK-47 and have him kill 75 people in like the span of four and a half minutes. And I think people would be like, Man, that was a nice change of pace. And that's what Punisher Warzone is. It's a change of pace movie from the monotony of what we're stuck in. Yeah. Right. And I think that the closest Marvel ever got to Punisher Warzone was maybe um Logan. Maybe. Almost not quite there, but as a little more serious. A little more yeah. serious and gritty, but violent too. Correct. I, I would agree with that. It had it had touches. And that was also another thing where you give a great filmmaker and just say, okay, go make your own, you know, make your movie that Hugh Jackman will sign on to. And, and, and he does it. And they, they kind of gave him that runway to do that. Fox and Marvel gave him the runway to do it. And that's just not how, that's not how these movies work anymore. If Logan was coming out today, it would be fuck it. They're doing, it. that's what Deadpool three is. Deadpool three from everything we've read, spoilers and everything is that Deadpool gets caught up in the multiverse and ends up going to find his favorite character, which is Wolverine. And then they run through the multiverse together, like fixing things or something like that's literally what the rumors of what the story is going to be. So it's like, you know, eight years ago, Hugh Jackman was like, I'm done. Perfect ending. And now Marvel's like, but what if we give you $18 million plus some back end points and you come back and play in the sandbox again? And that's <laughs> how it is. Right. No, that's what the multiverse is. is the answer to everybody's problems so they yeah. can bring in the good things erase the bad things but still be respectful because they're acknowledging that it exists it, and... it, it was even in the trailer even in the trailer for across the spider-verse i understand that movie's not out yet but um uh you can you can say what you want on it though no i know miguel spider-man 2099 or whatever when he's complaining about all the incursions and all the stuff going on and he goes and don't even get me started about that little nerd on earth 616 with dr strange and all that yeah. garbage or something like that and yeah, yeah. like the whole audience is like ha 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 he's talking about tom holland you know it's just like yeah that's that's a this all exists together but also it doesn't exist together it was it was very interesting yeah oh it's so good so um let's do something fun uh <laughs> Let's uh let's all give our best impression of the Krispy Kreme line. I already did it, man. 
Well, do 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 do, do, do it again. Now, hold on, hold on. I gotta find like the actual <laughs> line so I can read it. Yeah, if you can play it, I can mimic it. Yeah, uh, hold on. Let me see. Let me see if I can find that. Use Krispy Kreme, motherfuckers. It's so good. <laughs> Cream, uh, Punisher. There's a lot, dude. There's some. There's some really good lines in here that are that are, that are comically funny. Even that uh, Ray Stevenson delivers. Uh, he, like he has. It, it made me think of Tropic Thunder a little bit when like they're doing the fake trailers for movies and they're like given like the Found classic it. trailer lines. It's like sometimes I'd like to get my hands on God. <laughs> and then uh what else was it uh if if you see if i see you anywhere near hell i'll kick your ass out yeah Here, let's, see, let's see if this is loud enough oh, i couldn't no, hear it yeah I we can't hear it because i couldn't hear it but it's like on youtube let me send you it in the link yeah send me the link but the the comments under because somebody put like four seconds of this up and the comments on YouTube are great. Like the one, the, the top uh, comment of this line is greatest line of the whole movie. And this was a great movie. And then somebody else said, when the Krispy Kreme employees get your order wrong, along with the wrong dozen. Donuts. <laughs> 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 I thought that was so good. Like I could picture uh, uh, Ben Affleck saying it, like going to Dunkin Donuts. He's, he's like walking outside. He's like, you Krispy Kreme motherfuckers. Except he does it in a Boston accent. Here we go. You Krispy Kreme motherfuckers. See, <laughs> not quite, not not so much accent on there, but just you Krispy Kreme motherfuckers. Like he, Did you send uh, us the wrong link? Maybe. I don't know. Did I you, had it. Did, does it only four seconds? So, so did yeah, it's only four. Seconds. Oh yeah, it's only four seconds. I feel like Dan, you sent us something from. Uh, from succession yeah that's what it went to it went to autoplay that Sorry. okay yeah you crispy oh yeah it's you crispy cream motherfuckers <laughs> <laughs> all right y'all are police officers and you like donuts <laughs> all right all right let's let's go down the line real quick i want to get everybody doing this so like we can make a good video so preston you start you Krispy Kreme motherfuckers. Dan. You Krispy Kreme motherfuckers. And I will go. You Krispy Kreme motherfuckers. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> sounds like, like you're sounds like you're ah, Krispy Kreme. I feel like we were in the usual suspects line saying, give me the fucking keys. <laughs> Brian, you sound like you were going to rob a Krispy Kreme. <laughs> like they were taking too long getting into the cash register. <laughs> you Krispy Kreme motherfuckers. It's oh. like Danny DeVito by way of Charlie Day. Right. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Oh, it's so funny. This movie. So this movie is out on Blu-ray in a special edition, but like, I feel like this needs like a collector's scream factory or arrow video release. Like this movie begs to be seen again. It's currently on Peacock right now where yeah, you can stream it. Um, if you subscribe to Peacock, but this, this movie got an unfair shake. And I think for a lot of reasons, and like I said, Lexi, the director of this, she's been outspoken about, you know, a lot of equality in Hollywood and stuff like that. And it seems like they were paying her less than everybody. They were yeah. lowering the budget. They were 
moving around uh, the release date. And it's just kind of, but like most directors in that scenario would totally want their name abolished from that movie, but not Lexi. Lexi owns this. She fucking loves this movie. This is the movie she wanted to make. And God bless her, man. Uh, it's pretty badass. So you got to respect that. And you want more from her now. Like, mm-hmm. and I guess like outside after, of TV. Yeah. Outside of TV. And it seems like, I mean, I know she said in interviews that like after this movie, she was getting lots of scripts to direct that were, you know, typecasting her as like this violent thing. And she's like, I don't need to do that. I'd like to make other things, but I don't know. There's something about Punisher war zone. Like, I think this is a better film than the Thomas Jane Punisher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I'd say so too. Yeah. It's better and it's different. And like yeah. visually, it's better. And like even the end shot oh. of the film of <laughs> Stevenson coming down and he's about to kill somebody talking to his cop friend. He's up on like this pedestal, which is like a stairway um, to heaven almost with like a big neon cross. And it says Jesus saves and just like the Jesus goes out and it's just what the Punisher saves. The and then Punisher. you get that. And then you get the off after it goes to black of Martin. By, by the way, we should talk about Dash Mihok of Martin Soap, the cop that's kind of like his partner and is like helping him along the way. And he says like, oh, you got his brains all over me. Or you got your like brains that. all over me. And like that, that brought me back to maybe Lexi was a fan of like house of a thousand corpses because how that like the cold open of that movie motherfucker got blood over my best clown shoes <laughs> you know and like you know opening credits and this was end credits so i was like that was genius i yeah. really like that right so when when dash when the the character mm-hmm. uh, the actor who plays uh martin soap that that police officer i was talking about i had to like pause for a second and be like wait when did this movie come out I thought it was like the grown-up kid from Little Rascals, because like <laughs> he looks just like him. And I was like, "Oh wait, no, he's he's uh, he's in a uh, Romeo and Juliet with Leonardo DiCaprio." Yeah, well, that's right, that's right. Oh my god, that's crazy. Yeah, no, this uh, Punisher Warzone. Seek this out, you, you, those those of you listeners out there. You probably think you saw this movie, but you didn't see this movie. You're thinking Thomas Jane or you're thinking um, or you're thinking John Bernthal. You did not. Nobody saw this movie. Um, Hell, Preston just saw this movie for the first time today (laughs) and he likes it. Um, And Punisher Warzone, seek this out. This is kind of like a like a fresh original take in the MCU that we like, we won't see again. I mean, no, never say never, but it is balls to the wall, gory and violent. And it sticks to its theme of vengeance. Yeah. I re- I really hate that uh, Ray Stevenson got this part where he got to be the face on the poster. And then he was just that guy in Thor. For right. <laughs> right. Just, just that guy. Yeah. And we'll keep y'all up to date because I just looked up Lexi Alexander. Apparently, she wrote and directed a movie that is coming out this year, it says, on Netflix. And it is called Absolute Dominion. And it here's the tagline for it. In 2085, global governing forces host a martial arts tournament. The last mm. fighter standing wins Absolute Dominion for one faith. So it's all the 
religious faiths of the world send in a fighter and have them fight to the death and whoever wins that's the faith for the planet oh my god sounds like blood sport sounds like blood sport i was like thanks lexi and she's the writer and director and somehow Patton oswald is in this movie but i don't think he'll be fighting well interesting enough so when this movie came out when this movie came out everybody hated it but Patton oswald talked about this on his podcast and news stories and his comedic act and how great this movie is. And when I think, I think, um, how did this get made? This was like one of their early episodes. Patton Oswalt yeah. was on it with Lexi and Patton Oswalt was a big champion of this movie because Patton Oswalt is known to be an avid comic book reader, a comic book fan. Like he reads a lot of comics and he really liked this movie. Um, so yeah, that's, I think, they became friends on that and now Patton's in the movie in her Exciting. new movie. Yeah. All so right. yeah, no, I, I saw that uh, when doing research for this uh, podcast and I was like, man, is she making like blood sport, but like in the future, like a very Heaven distant sport. And, but, blood sport. Yeah. And again, she is a martial artist. Like she's a stunt woman. She has taken all sorts of karate and Taekwondo and martial arts. So this is right up her wheelhouse. And I'm very lucky. uh, I mean, I'm so excited you mentioned that because I would have forgotten to mention that. It's good. Punisher Warzone. Preston, last last thoughts. It's it's a big ball of bloody fun. There you go. Big bloody fun. All right, Dan. It is a refreshing, violent, crazy superhero movie that you are not going to see in the next five to ten years. So seek it out and enjoy a Krispy Kreme, you motherfuckers. (laughs) (laughs) Hell yeah, Krispy Kreme, Blood and Punisher. This is the Punisher movie we want. Uh, We are Fear and Loathing in Cinema Podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode. As always, we love you all. Um, check out Dan Moran. He runs our Instagram, Fear and Loathing Cinema Podcast Instagram. And check him out on boomstickcomics.com. If you see him in Austin, say hello, buy him a beer. Um, Preston Barta, the man, the myth, the legend. He's my co-host on my bloody podcast. Um, he is on freshfiction.tv, writing reviews. He's on the Denton Record Chronicle, writing articles. Uh Find out his coverage and our coverage on My Bloody Podcast on uh, John Carpenter and the most recent convention, Texas Frightmare Weekend here in Texas. And find them at Instagram, Blu-ray Dad, and Twitter at Preston Barta. And I'm Brian Kluger, highdefdigest.com, boomstickcomics.com. Find me on TikTok, find me on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Brian Kluger. And catch me Wednesdays, noon till 2, Soundtracks Radio. It's going to be a good one. So thank you, Fear and Loathing Cinema Podcast. We love you. We'll be back next week with another banger. You Krispy Kreme motherfuckers.